Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elra. Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Goal achievers, how are you this week? Uh, this is your host, Hal Elrod, and today I've got an interview. It's a, it's kind of an author interview. It, well, she's definitely an author, but she does so much. You know, it's like it's hard to call it an author interview. She really uh, is a a jack of many trades and a master of just as many trades. Uh, her name is Michelle Tillis Letterman, and Michelle is an accomplished speaker, trainer, coach. She is the author of three books, including The 11 Laws of Likeability, which I definitely have some questions about that one, and her latest book, Nail the Interview, Land the Job. Now, you can imagine what that's about, and if you are someone that is looking to change careers, you've got a job that you want to land, that is the book for you, Nail the Interview, Land the Job, and it was recently named, Michelle was recently named by Forbes as one of the 25 professional networking experts to watch in 2015. I don't care who you are, Forbes names you anything. That's pretty cool. Uh, I've never been named anything by Forbes. So uh, her clients range from Target to Sony to City, and she's been all over TV, radio, and print. Her live program, The Relationship Driven Leader, is now open to the public. Actually, I think uh, by the time the interview airs, it might have already happened. So let's 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 beg her to, to do it again if it's already uh, gone by. But uh, Michelle. I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to dig in. You've got some expertise in the areas of likability and some of these other areas that I really believe our listeners are going to benefit hugely from. So welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Thank you. And you've already put a smile on my face because I just love your energy, which is one of the laws of likability. Ah, <laughs> that's maybe that's why some of the people like me. That's good. Okay. Um, yeah, no, well, you know, I'll tell you, likability is, uh, I read a book a long time ago, The Likability Factor by Tim Sanders. You probably mm-hmm. you know, heard of it. I know um, Tim. I would imagine, oh, you know, Tim, yeah, I'd imagine that, you know, know, whenever, by the way, I see books that are on similar topics or the same topics, I almost always look at the one that has come out most recently because I assume that any smart author is going to have read every book on their topic, right? (laughs) And then they're going to be, you know, incorporating the most important parts, but then adding a lot of new information. So I'm, I'm, you know, making an assumption, but I'm guessing that your book uh, uh, is fantastic in that way. So, before we get into the book and, and some of those those aspects, I, I want to know who you are a little bit for our listeners. Um, you know, we're all born with unlimited potential, yet somewhere along the way, most people resign themselves to settling for a life of mediocrity, and you have not done that, right? You're one of the few who has risen above mediocrity and really achieved extraordinary results in your personal and your professional life. So what was your life, what were you like growing up? Did you always know you'd be successful? Were you successful at an early age? And if not, what was your earliest, most significant? significant experience or, you know, realization that gave you evidence that you could become highly successful? Oh, God. Um, Scrappy. What was I like as a kid? Scrappy. (laughs) All right. I love it. Um, I, you know, people can't see me. And so for those who have not seen me in public, um, I am four foot 10. um, And I share that because when you are small, and I was you know, significantly smaller growing up, um, always, you know, people were a head taller than me. Um, one reason was because I was the youngest in my grade. 
you know, when your mom pushes you ahead a little bit, um, just things are always a little off. And so um, growing up, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy um, socially. It wasn't easy financially. I was in a single parent home. Um, I shared on a recent video I did that I remember um, three years in a row for the school picture wearing the same exact dress because it was the only dress I owned, you know. Um, And, you know, when you have struggles, I I kind of was a kid that was always like, well, what can I learn from this? Um, And I don't think I actually said that in my head, but it was just the way I took it all in. There was always something good I could find in all of the bad. And that had to be my focus or else I would have spent my life miserable. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So so scrappy from a young age. Yes. And um, you're going to laugh at me, but there was an interview with Oprah Winfrey in 1984. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And I was, I guess, in high school, maybe middle school, something like that. I won't give my full age away, (laughs) (laughs) but I was a, I was some kind of teenager. And, um, Oprah said to Barbara Walters, I always knew I was meant for great things. And I remember hearing that and thinking, me too. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know what or how yet, but yeah, I feel that too. I feel like I was given some gifts of, of that potential, right? That limited potential you reference. And it was my responsibility to live up to that potential and to um, to use it in in positive ways to the people around me and to the to the larger world, um, you know. And it sounds really arrogant, um, but I don't think I knew that. <laughs> so I just kept going as if well, that was my my responsibility. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it's arrogant at all. I mean, I really, I just I just wrote an, kind of an article today or posted something today in uh, the Miracle Morning community in our, our Facebook group and. Uh, I talked about how it, we have it is our responsibility to fulfill our potential not not just for ourselves but for everybody that we know because if you don't fulfill your potential if you settle for less than you're really capable of and, and less than you want then you just you set that example for everybody that knows you and yeah I, to me it's you know it is our responsibility because if we don't do it if we don't live to our full potential we're hurting everybody that we care about and, and even people that we don't know I agree with that completely I really do. And I also think, you know, you have impact large and small. I mean, you have impact in your home, with your family, with the people you live with. And I'm raising two young boys and I want to make sure that I am giving them the right mindset of how to approach things, even when they're hard, even when we might not love everything that we're doing, um, but we believe in it. Hmm. How old are your sons? Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Wow. They, uh, it sounds really easy. <laughs> Must be just a really easy household over there with an eight and nine year old angel boys. It's yeah. We I've got a, my daughter's six and my son is three, so we're you know different different stages. You've got uh, your hands full too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I want to know what is your your approach to failure? You know, we've, with the, to me, I think that the average person really avoids failure, and I think that prevents a lot of people from even attempting success. Is that fear of well, what if what if I don't what if I don't make it? What if I try and I fail? And, and either because they're afraid of the failure, or they they think well, it would be a waste of time if I put all that effort and all that energy, and then I failed. So I, I would love to know um, a any significant failure or failures that you know that you've endured some of the big ones and and how you overcame them uh and and kind of your approach to failure and your your the way that you you view it you know it's funny i have been asked a few different times on shows um my biggest failure and what i realized when i was posed that question is i don't believe in failure Mm, I, i don't believe in the concept 
of failure. And I think that kind of I alluded to that probably a little bit in how I grew up. Um, it was a tough childhood. You know, um, we sold furniture to pay the mortgage so that we had a house. I mean, you know, I never felt like I was um, going to be homeless or anything like that. It wasn't that extreme. Um, but you don't know that as a child. And, um, you know, and I and yet I always had this perspective of, you know, well, how can I twist this? How can I reframe this? How can I look at this differently? And that's how I feel about failure. I don't believe um, in the concept. So, and I'll tell you a little story. I was at um, a coffee once with a woman who had found me on LinkedIn and she was starting this networking group for um, successful women. And, and she invited me to be a, a you know, an original member, so to speak. And I asked her, I said, well, how did you find me? I'm like, why, why did you reach out to me? And she said, well, I kind of stalked you. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the weirdest and funniest thing because I'd already like been comfortable with her at that point, so I wasn't afraid. Yeah. Um, but she said, you know, she was identifying certain types of people, and and she's asked a lot of them the same questions. And one of the things she asked me was, did I have a plan B when I went off on and started my own business? And I looked at her and I was like, well, no. I mean, I always knew I'd succeed. It was just a matter of at what and you know how much effort I was going to put in and how fast it would happen. But no, of course, I, I was going to be able to do whatever I put my mind to. And it was in that moment that like, I started to realize my perspective on, on failure. Not every line of business that I have pursued and every program or event or whatever has been a huge whopping success. Um, I've definitely wasted some money on some marketing campaigns and things like that. Sure. Um, you know, and made some choices that I that could have been more fruitful. Um, but so what, um, it, it's all about, you know, that path, that journey, that getting there and every single thing I've done, including being an accountant for 10 years, which you can consider a failure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still recovering from that CPA career. You're a recovering CPA. Got it. I okay. am. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be where I am if had I not had those 10 years in, in the corporate environment to be able to speak from experience. So I don't view anything as a bad choice. It was the right choice at the time in which I made it. And here's where it brought me to. Yeah, that's great. I don't, don't believe in failure. And I, I mean, I think that it, probably in line with what you're saying is right. The only failure is in quitting. I mean, that's that if you quit something, if you give up on something because you haven't gotten there yet, right? Air quotes yet. Mm -hmm. um, right. That, 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 well, then you failed, you gave up, you didn't give yourself a chance. And, uh, I love the philosophy. I, you know, I, I bring this up quite often. The, uh, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> you know, I was recently interviewing uh, Tony Stubblebine. He's the, the CEO and founder of, of Coach.me. And that came up, that, that quote or that philosophy. I don't know who first said, you know, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. But uh, I loved what Tony said. He, he said, um, yeah, so the question is then, what are you willing to commit yourself to for 10 years or more until it's successful? And I thought... <laughs> wow, that's a really interesting perspective, you know, right? So, because what if you were going to succeed in your nine and you gave up at your five or two or three or whatever? So, um, I like you it. You know, but I would want to say one thing about the quitting because yes. there's a lot of people out there that might be doing something and um, sometimes there's a, there's also a saying, throwing good money after bad. Yes. Um, I'd love or, to hear you talk on this. Yes, please go. <laughs> you know, the, the um, time cost benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think there is um, absolutely perspective taking. Um, but so you have to think about why you're making the choices you're making. Yeah. I, I love what I do. Uh, I, I, I 
have, I feel like I have a calling. I feel like I have a mission. Um, and although I will say I do work, you know, they say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not true. That's not I true, work no. my little fanny off Yeah. and I have the worst boss in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband said that he, he would um, tell me to quit my job if I worked for a person as hard a boss as I am. That's funny. So, um, so there, there is the difference between um, quitting and giving up because you are afraid that it won't work. Um, and, there's, and there's the other side, which is evaluating where you are, the market, the, um, the opportunity costs, the, you know, what could you be doing instead? How do you feel about doing, you know, it, looking at your options. Mm-hmm. I had somebody who was in her own business and we, we were working with each other and she decided to go back to work and, and take a job. And she did it for, for, um, two years. And I, I was like shocked, like, how could you go back? To, and it was a great move for her. And now she's back on her own and is so much more successful than she was before. Hmm. So I just want people to think about, there's a lot of different ways to get to your end destination. And just because you pushed in one path, doesn't mean you can't backtrack and find a little bit different of a path and tweak what that success looks like. I do redefine success often. And um, instead of thinking about where do I want to be in 20 years, I think about what's my next goal for the, the next year or my next major big project or, you know, and I kind of always have a new thing that I'm working towards. Um, and then then I get that one. Then there's a new one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You, you and I have a similar approach. So you, rather than you having to, or picturing where you want to be in 20 years, you do you kind of approach it like I do, where you're like, I have no idea where I want to be in 20, you know, I just, because I know that 10 years ago, what I'm doing now, which I love, I might not have imagined doing, you know, yeah. so. And it could be very limiting. If I said, well, I want to do this in 10 years. Well, I've limited all the possibilities because I have narrowed my focus and that could be great. I'm not a good nicher. Um, <laughs> Hmm. So, uh, you know, I would I would tell people to um, really think about. Here, I'm gonna back I'm gonna backtrack a second because here's some great advice that was given to me once. Yes, please. And it was by another entrepreneur. And it, it was when I was still a CPA and I was working in finance and I was doing this on the side. And he said, you know, Michelle, you don't always know where your revenue is going to come from. And you gotta you gotta follow the money sometimes. And I had eight different business lines at that time. And I started to evaluate where the money was coming from. And then I evaluated it against the criteria of, do I enjoy it? Am I good at it? Is it easy for me? Like I had decisions of, you know, how do I rank and prioritize these product lines? And yeah, the, the money was one of them, but it wasn't the only one. So I think people need to think about their decision tree of what do I say yes to and what do I say no to? Got it. I think that that, yeah, quitting that that you make a great point. It's a great distinction that, you know, sometimes you should quit if it's the wrong thing, right? If if it's not fulfilling you, if it's not moving you in the direction that you want to go, if it's not in alignment with, you know, with the future that you want or, uh, or it's not providing you with the lifestyle that you want, you know, then yeah, you you do have to quit it. So I think that there is an important distinction in, in that regard. It's the same thing as failing. I don't use that word. It's redirecting. It's, it's, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm repositioning. I'm not quitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, and, 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 you know, and some of the greatest, you know, what, what one might consider a failure is the greatest, 
lesson producer for right? it's the greatest teacher and it's like if it wasn't for that failure uh, or so-called failure then I wouldn't have learned that thing that led me down this different path that now I'm you know where I'm supposed to be right so I, I, I read uh, what was it failing forward by John Maxwell I think it was that you know 10 years ago I read that and it just totally shifted it was like yeah failures you know it's not it's not a bad thing it's not even a thing it's you know yeah. it's made up you know, the truth is, um, from somebody coming out of finance, I used to do venture capital and, and um, investment work. And the first thing we always looked at was the management team and wondered how many times they had failed and looked for like what other things they had done. Because if they failed a few times, it actually was a positive because we saw one, their determination two what they learned from it, um, you know, and that they maybe got further each time. So failure in that context was not necessarily negative. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of sense. Similar to failure, fear. Uh, you know, I think that one assumption that I used to make before, you know, when I was chasing success, if you will, and trying to achieve it, is I looked at these people that were successful, that I admired, that I wanted to be like, and uh, or that I wanted to be where they are, and I thought they must be different than me, like, or they look different. They seem so confident. They seem so poised. They, you know, they're so. They just seem like they've got it all together. And, and I assume that they're not good. They must not have the same fears and insecurities and limiting beliefs and self-doubt, all this stuff I'm trying to work through. And then once I became more successful, I realized, hey, wait, even though I'm more successful, I'm still a human being, right? I still have fears and doubts and insecurities and, and all of those things, limiting beliefs that I still have to work through. So I, I wanted to know what, what's been your greatest fear and, and how have you managed to overcome it? And whether it's one that you've already overcome or one that you, you know, that maybe you still deal with. Um, by the way, all those phrases of limiting beliefs and self-doubt are in both of my books, um, the likability book and the interview book, because they, they apply in different ways. So I was smiling at all of those phrases, um, <laughs> awesome. you know, and I, I, I'm a bad interviewee because I don't answer any of your questions because I just don't just, think about things the same way. <laughs> I love it. No, you're a gr you're a great interviewee. <laughs> um, you know, I have, of course, a philosophy about fear. Um, I think that I think fear is great. Yeah. Um, and again, I probably don't think about it as fear, um, but you know, nerves like the butterflies. I think that you know, I do. I teach a lot of people public speaking, and I say to them, I get nervous every time. I mean, like I'm sweating, my yeah. heart's racing. Like, of course, you know, it's scary. I'm doing a talk for a thousand people in Hong Kong in November. I mean, of course, I'm terrified. Sure, um, it's a big deal. But you know what it means when you're afraid or when you have fear or butterflies? It means that you care. It means that you're committed. It means that you have passion for it. And that's why I tell people to embrace the fear because that's your driver. That's your fuel. And um, I, I think that, you know, they talk about that phrase fear. Um, bravery is fear and taking action anyway. Mm. Um, I have a phrase for um, that doubt, like that fear is that self-doubt, that inner voice that, you know, says, oh, I'm a fraud. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And, and but I've had that voice in my head plenty of times. And, and um, my response is that confidence is having doubt and doing it anyway. And so I allow myself those moments of doubt, those moments of fear. And then I talk myself through, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Okay, then what? Okay, and what if that happens? And then what are you going to do about that? Hmm. All right, well, you can handle that, Michelle, so go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that process. I mean, I think anyone listening, you know, that is, that's the process, right? So, Michelle, you're extraordinarily successful, right? But you still have 
that doubt, those nerves before you attempt something that you care about. And you, you coach your, right, I, I would call that like a self-coaching. You coach yourself through it. And the, I, if I could sum up this kind of this question or this, this lesson, it's the idea that I think what really separates one of the one of the big things that separate people that are achieving their goals and their dreams and that are successful by most people's standards and then those that are not where they want to be isn't that you know that one group or the other doesn't have fear the successful people don't have the doubts it's that they don't let those fears and doubts dictate what they do Mm-hmm. Right. Where you, we, you know, it's you let your commitments dictate what you do. You let your vision dictate what you do. So the, the doubts, the fear, the limiting belief, the little voice in your head, all that stuff is still there. It's just that where you know, people that aren't where they want to be they're they, they let that voice or those doubts determine what they don't do for the day when, when they could have done something different. Right. I, I think it's very well said. And I, I used to have um, the duck. Um, a little timer that was like a duck for my kids. And, you know, when the timer went off, it would quack. And I use this on myself and my kids. When you are in those moments of the pity party or the whining or the whatever, I turn the duck on. How many minutes do you need? Two, three, five? Hmm. You don't get more than five, right? And you get to vent and whine and cry and complain as yeah. much as you want until the duck quacks. And then you're done. <laughs> that's great. And so, and that's something you did with your kids? Oh, yeah. When they whine. Or when they're whatever, you know, because, you know, you got a three and six year old. It's yeah. it's it's whatever. Um, uh, I'll say, look, I'll give you till the duck quacks. Let it out. We got to let it out. <laughs> and wait, this but, is a ducky timer because I'm on Amazon right now and I need to get one of these. Yeah, <laughs> it's a ducky timer. And I actually have I do these success shorty videos um, that I send out to my my community once a week. And I, I actually have a video of me sharing the duck and explaining this to them. So. <laughs> Dang it! I don't see the ducky timer on Amazon. I'll have to go. I'll have to go search for it. I think uh, it was Target. Target. Okay. All right. I'll go check out Target. Um, no, well, that, that, that's funny. The um, the so when I was in sales training, we learned the five minute rule, which I teach. Yeah, you know, like I pay it forward and teach it all the time, which is essentially the same thing. You get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, vent, cry, right, whatever it is, and then after you've gotten it all out, after five minutes, like your only choice is then to accept it and and move on. So. Um, yeah, I got to be better at teaching to my kids, though. So I think the ducky timer would, would definitely help. I want to get into some meat here. You're an expert in a lot of areas. You know, I think probably, in fact, this, if there's any challenge for you when I ask you this question, it's probably going to be like well, narrowing it down to three. Because I'm going to ask for your best three goal-achieving tips. And, and you know, you're welcome to, I mean, you wrote this great book, The 11 Laws of Likeability. You've got the new book, Nail the Interview. So, uh, I'm, you know, wherever you want to go with this, I'm open. But uh, what, what are your, you know, for anybody listening that wants to achieve their goals, I'd love for you to at least one to, to touch on likeability because it's something that's not taught or talked about. And it's arguably the single most important thing in success and relationships. So uh, it's, the floor is yours. Uh, top three tips to achieve one's goals. You're right. I got to pick three. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so since you just said likability, I will start there. Okay. Um, and what I will say is um, relationships matter. So my tip for you is to understand that you are always networking, you are always building relationships, and that you really don't understand where your results may come from. Mm. Don't, don't think strategically about your relationships. Don't be like, I need to know that guy. And I'm not going to talk to the three people that I walk past so I can beeline that guy. Mm. I don't think that's an effective 
approach because when you build relationships based on true connection, um, you know, with your neighbor, you don't know who they're married to. You don't know who their best friend is. You don't know who they went to college with. And it's a lot easier to leverage, and I don't like the word leverage because it sounds like use, um, but it's a lot easier to ask a friend for a connection and introduction or, hey, I want this. Do you know anything? And they'll be like, yeah, because those are real relationships that where people want to have that, that giving and that sharing. Um, so understand, number one, above and beyond everything else, that relationships matter and, um, and don't think about the ones that you think you should have. Just build the ones that you enjoy having. Okay, awesome. Any tips for how to do that? I know you have, you've got to have some, so to dive in a little more on this point, um, how, you know, it, your number one tip on building a relationship, being likable, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear it. Uh, well, one thing is you can't make anybody like you. Mm, okay. um, and, and my book is not about how to make people like you. Hmm. It is a, right? Hmm. Um, I'm thinking Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that's, that that's, uh, that's great. But you can understand what drives likability, and that's really what I teach, is understanding those drivers, those places and points and possibilities for connection, because we can enable others to see what is likable about us. Um, and so if you want a couple really easy, quick thoughts there, mm. one, smile. <laughs> right? I don't need you to bare all of your teeth, um, but a smile is the single most disarming um, and best reducer of misunderstanding that exists hmm. as long as it's a genuine smile and a smile can be seen as far as 30 feet away hmm. um, another tip is um, think about how to stay in somebody's mind without getting in their face finding that right balance between um, continuing to nurture and develop and grow a relationship versus hounding and harassing and you know, annoying somebody. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, and then the third tip there, um, if you think about the key for me in, in relationships, it's to um, think about giving. Um, that's chapter 10. And I actually give this chapter away for free, full chapter, because I believe so much in this concept. So if anybody wants Where to- Where can we my, get it? Where can we get it, Michelle? <laughs> I'll just tell you right now. Please. You just go to my website. It's my full name, Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And you can download the full chapter because this is what makes the results come. When you have a philosophy of giving and giving first and giving often and giving because you can and giving because you want to and giving without expectation of anything in return, results happen. And as I said before, they're not linear. You don't know, oh, I gave to you and you're going to give to me. It's not quid pro quo. Mm -hmm. It's not um, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It is not reciprocity in its um, narrow definition. It is in reciprocity in the broader definition of paying it forward, as you said. And, um, you know, I had somebody who gave to me and I didn't, I wasn't able to give back to her, but what she gave to me, I ended up giving to literally 500 other people across the last 10 years. And I used to say a hundred and then like I was, I said it once and like five people in the audience said, I'm one of them, I'm one of them, I'm one of them. And uh. it was like 20 people in the room. And I was like, okay, I think I need to up the number of how many people I've done that for. Wow. <laughs> Wow, wow. That, yeah, I think that's, that's so powerful. I mean, we could leave it at that, but I, I want to get a couple more tips. But relationships are arguably, and, and I used that word earlier, but arguably the one of the single most important things that 
you that we can focus on. And, and like you said, I mean, almost we, you, you have to come to this point where you realize that nobody achieves success on their own. Right. And the bigger the success you see from someone, the more people that were involved along the way. And I think that sometimes we, you know, we feel like we have to do it all by ourselves. But if we really focus on building relationships, really powerful relationships and, and up, you know, up leveling our circle of influence, then that that's how stuff you know, tends to happen. I look at um, the uh, like the you know the the miracle morning, the 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 greatest leaps and bounds and quantum leaps of of uh, like our impact and the amount of book sales and things happened because of a relationship I developed with someone that had a big relationship or audience or relationships with other people. Right? I mean, it just all like you said, it's not it's not this direct. I do it for you. You scratch my back, back and forth. And I think that we we've got to just where we show up to every relationship with how can I add value or as you said how can I give and you just do that with every human being that you ever come in contact with including your waitress and including the <laughs> you know the the cab driver and include it right in, in every human being that you ever come in contact with you just add as much value as you possibly can and you never you know th- that to me is the one of the secrets to to success that you are you know the defining one of the authorities uh, on that topic so Oh, yeah, I can wax poetic on that for a while, but I promised you two other big tips. Yes, so, two other big tips. Let's do it. So one of them is um, you got to talk about it. And the question is what the it is. If you are working on something, if you have a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, if you, um, whatever it is that you are working on that is your definition of success, you need to talk about it because we don't know, we can't read your mind, we can't guess how we can help you. And you have no idea when you start talking about something, when you are passionate about it, when you have mm-hmm. conviction about it, people get excited and people get inspired and people want to help. And I will tell you, that's how I landed my first client. And that first client was JP Morgan. <laughs> not a bad first client. No, no, not a no bad, yeah. <laughs> And it was when I was at an animal rescue event. I was chairing, I mean, I love animals. I was chairing an event um, to raise money for uh, an organization that I had volunteered for. I had, you know, 200 volunteers um, helping me at this event. And and um, one of them, I'd never met him before, came up to me and he had worked with my co-chair. And he said, Donna told me what you were working on. Would you like to meet my boss? And I, I said, who's your boss? And he's like, oh, the head of investment banking training at J.P. Morgan, I was like, you know, as soon as I pick my job off the floor, yes, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so because I was talking about it while I was doing something else and sharing and being excited, someone else shared it. And then some person that I never even met came over and made that offer. So talk about it. Don't keep it to yourself. And too many people do that. They keep it to themselves. So I love that. I love it. You never know which who who you're going to be talking to that's going to, you know, again, whether it's directly from them or someone that they know that can have a huge impact in your life. So uh, awesome. Ask. Keep on. And here's the third one for you. Um, and it's simply uh, three letters. Ask. And it really goes hand in hand with talk about it. I once did a talk and, and I'm talking about giving and you know how excited I get when I talk about giving. Hmm. And a woman in the front row very loudly heckles me and said, I'm tired of giving. Where's mine? Hmm. I mean, the, the, the whole room went silent. It was kind of like, oh, can't believe she said that. How is she going to handle that? You know, <laughs> and my head is going the same thing. I can't believe she said that. How am I going to handle this? You know, <laughs> and I, I just kind of went into this place of curiosity. and I said, well, you know, maybe she gave the wrong. No, that's not it. Is she? No, that's not it. And I look at her and I said, well, what have you asked for? And she looked at me like I was an alien and said, nothing. 
I said, ah, now I understand. You got to ask. People do want to do. People do want to give because when people give, they feel valuable. Yeah. And people feel good about themselves when they can do for others. It is, I believe, in people's nature to want to do good things and nice things and help others. Um, But they don't always know how. And you have to help them help you. You have to be clear on what you're working on. What do you need? What do I want? So more and more people are saying, how can I help you? What do you, you know, what do you need? And I'm somebody who believes that everybody should be asking that question. But you also need to always have an answer to that question. You need to always have, oh, you know what? Here's what I'm working on right now. And here's the kind of person I want to meet. Or here's how you can help you. I'm promoting this event. Or hey, you know. You have to ask, and, and I actually have a whole blog post, and you can probably find it on my, um, my blog, same website, um, where I give you the five types of asks. Because hmm. asking is difficult, and we need to find different ways to make those asks to make it more comfortable for us and for them. I love it, and, and you're so right that you know the, those last two tips that you gave, that one is give, one is ask, right? And they're, they're kind of the two sides of the same coin because some people are good at either. They're either takers, right, and they don't give, or they're givers and they don't receive, you know? And, and it's like, you, you've really got to be both. Uh, so I love that. Really good. Well, Michelle, I, um, I don't know if you have any last thought or anything else that you want to share. You've given so much value. Um, you're, I'm on Amazon right now getting your book, The like- 11 Laws of Likeability. Uh, I hope our listeners are too. Uh, if, like I said, you are in a position where you want to get a job and nail an interview, uh, Michelle's new book just came out. And uh, Michelle, why don't you give your website one more time and spell your name out for our listeners? Sure. It's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And on there, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. You can find my blog. I have loads of content out there. I would love for you to um, download a copy of the book. I have other things and goodies out there um, as giveaways, um, networking assessments and things like that. When you join my um, community, you will get a um, a one-page five success accelerators. Um, and each of them have a video. So I've, I've kind of turned to video. Hmm. Um, it's, it's gotten a little easier than me writing a lot. <laughs> yeah, you just turn it on and talk. That's why I started podcasting because I thought I can talk, but I, writing is so hard. <laughs> I know. And then you have to have grammar and that's not my thing. Yeah, then you have to edit the writing and then, you know, yeah. So no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Just turn on a recorder, whether it's audio or video and, and I'll talk and that's great. Well, Michelle, you have been an absolute delight. This was so much fun. I really, really, and you're brilliant. You're fun. You're sweet. You're authentic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, Goal Achievers, thanks for tuning in to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I appreciate you. I love you. Uh, please leave a comment. HalElrod.com forward slash blog is where you find all the podcast episodes. There's lots of past issues, uh, not issues, episodes. And uh, until next week, Take this episode, listen to it again, work on being more likable, work on giving more to every person that you come in contact with and be willing to ask for what you want and you just might be surprised when you find out that people will give you what you ask for. I will talk to you next week. Until then, make it a fantastic goal achieving week, everybody. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So now, hopefully you're ready to go out there and increase your likability 
But we want to know what were your biggest takeaways from this episode. Simply go over to hellhour.com slash 103 for episode number 103 and leave a comment there on the show notes page. Just letting us know what that big takeaway was. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by going to hellhour.com slash iTunes clicking the little subscribe button, and then if you would, please leave a rating and review. If you haven't had the chance to go leave a rating and review yet, that would, we would greatly appreciate it because this is truly the best way to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about us and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now, until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals. to grow your business using podcasting but don't have the time to edit the audio insert the intro and outro write up the show notes post the episode to all the different sites and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required then you need yourpodcastguru.com where you bring the content and we take care of the rest we'll even co-host the show for you visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world